So it's Monday, March 29th, and we have David Dunlap of Midlothian Chef Kitchen. It's matzo season, and thanks, Scott, because we get to talk to Carlos of TBT El Gallo again. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It Virginia, voted second best podcast in Richmond. My name is Scott Wise, and I'm joined as always by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, our guest today, David Dunlap, has quite a story to share. He has a story. He has an incredible culinary resume. I, this, is a, this is a fun, 30 million different types of ingredients. I just want people to be aware that that is a thing that he says when they listen to him. He has all of those things, and not to get creepy on anybody, but I think he might have the perfect wife as well. Oh, he has the perfect wife. He knows he has the perfect wife, but he has the perfect wife. You're correct. So we're going to get to David's interview in just a few minutes, but I want to talk to you a little bit about an exciting thing we have going on over at CBS 6. For those of you who aren't aware at this point, our podcast is part of CBS 6. and uh, We, we have to lot- do sports! Ouch! Yes, we do! <laughs> and I don't, uh, I don't You get to show off all your sporting skills. So we're doing a sweet 16, a we're open sweet 16. Let me give you a little bit of a background here. Um, One of the CBS six initiatives during the pandemic was called we're open and we are highlighting different restaurants and small businesses that were able to stay open during the pandemic or kind of change their business flow and kind of make things work. So in order to honor some of our favorite restaurants around town, we created a sweet 16 to go along with the basketball sweet 16 to the winner of the Sweet 16 will win money that we hope they'll like treat, you know, some of their customers to free meals or have, kind of have some fun with the cash. Or they'll giving. pay for a repair of their refrigerator that may be rickety. They don't have to treat their customers. They can use I'm looking it for, for free donuts. the restaurants. I know looking you're looking for free, for free donuts. donuts and free tacos. So we have 16 teams, obviously, Sweet 16. You guys know, well, you know the drill, right, Roby? Sweet 16, you know what that is, right? Well, I imagine that that's how many teams are left in March Madness. You are exactly right. So when this podcast comes out, oh, good. When this podcast <laughs> comes out on the 29th, the Sweet 16 will have been reduced to the Elite Eight. So half of the teams that we uh, have in the Sweet 16 will be gone. And then there'll be the eight, which will the games, are, the eight games are played on Monday and Tuesday. So Perfect. there are some you know, food podcasts and food websites that'll pit restaurants against each other and have people voting, like who's your favorite brewery or who's your favorite taco place. That's not really what we're doing here. What we're doing here is we just randomly assigned a restaurant to a a university basketball team. And as that university's basketball team advances, the restaurant advances. You know who's got a hookup? Our friends over at Soul Taco got the hookup because the best team in the tournament is Gonzaga, and you the- don't know that they have the hookup. What if Gonzaga just has a bad night? It can happen for sure. And we might know by the time people are hearing this, Gonzaga might have already lost. We don't they know. They would have lost to who are they playing in our Sweet 16? Who is Soul Taco playing in our Sweet 16? Lily Pearl. And Lily Pearl was talking smack on Facebook. I love seeing that. Good. And, and so that's Gonzaga. And is it Creighton? Creighton? 
Creighton. Yep, Creighton, the Blue Jays. I prefer it to be Creighton. So, so th- that is a number one seed against a number five seed. I'm reading this, people who know me and are listening to this podcast. I have no clue what those seeds mean, but I can tell you right now, you got tacos up against incredible fried chicken. And if it were me picking, it would be the fried chicken. So go Creighton. Right. Go Creighton. You can see all the details on our website, WTVR.com. We'll share some of it on the Eat at Virginia social media. And uh, we've also recorded a little video segment with CBS 6 anchor Candace Burns. And let's put that on our Instagram TV. Do we have an Instagram TV? We have IGTVs. We We can do the IGTVs. Everyone has that. We'll put it there. We'll put it on the IGTVs and you can listen to me discuss all of my sports knowledge. Now, I'd like to talk to you about something else totally different, Scott. I got a couple questions. Okay. First, it's matzah season. Matzah season. Happy Pesach. You like that? You like that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means, but that was a very nice pronunciation. So can you tell me what matzah season is and where I can go to get it? Sure. (laughs) Um, matzah season is part of the Jewish holiday of Passover, which started Saturday night um, at sundown. It's, you know, the story of Exodus with uh, Moses and the Red Sea and parting the waters. That's Passover for those of you uh, who are not Old Testament. Like literally literate. passing over? No, no. The Passover, <laughs> yeah, the Passover part is a little tricky and not, it's kind of complicated in today's society. So I'm not really going to talk about that part during this podcast. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. So you don't yes. talk about so, that. You're going to talk about Moses, Red Sea, and Masa. Yeah. So essentially, you know, the Jews were in the desert wandering for 40 years after leaving Pharaoh and they didn't have time to bake their bread. Uh, so they created this matzah, this unleavened bread, and we eat that for a week starting Saturday night. Um, going for the week in honor of that biblical story. Um, you asked me where to get matzah. So it's funny, like I, you know, for me, matzah is just in a box that you get at the grocery store. And it's, you know, I love my culture and my heritage, but it's a pretty terrible experience. Uh, so you melt, you melt cheese on it, you dip it in chocolate. Um, you put, you, you know, matzo ball soup obviously is fun and nice to eat, but that's, that's like a year round thing. That's not really a, a pa- I mean, it is a Passover thing, but it's, it's, it's more than that. So I know you follow our friend Stephanie Gans on the gram, um, but she has matzah Pop-Tarts as a recipe. Stephanie is the most creative, awesome, I know. I well person know, in the world. I don't even know how she did that, but they're beautiful. And yeah. so I feel like that is a, that is your next goal is to make matzah Pop-Tarts. She did a, she did a matzah Pop-Tart virtual cooking dinner for the Jewish Community Center last week. And I think that you can see it. I think Stephanie Gans is the woman of the year. I'm just going to say that right now. She 100% is the woman of the year. Absolutely. You know who's not the man of the year? Yeah, you and recording. Yes. So a little, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit on this podcast. Uh, Roby and I record interviews about every other week. And so we don't have like a huge buildup of interviews. We try to be timely. Because you, the last thing you want to hear is like 15 months ago, someone talking about something you can't do or they don't have anymore. But in an effort to get a little bit ahead of the game, we scheduled an interview with Carlos, who's the owner operator behind the super popular TBT taco pop-ups right before he was to open his restaurant, which opened up this past week in, in the fan. 
We had this amazing interview with Carlos. Um, he I had dropped never... some mad quotes. It felt so good. I left it. I was so happy. I was thinking to myself, man, this is going to be the best podcast. And then beep, what? beep, beep. Uh, let's call it a um, let's call it a technical, a mechanical error, a technical error, right? It wasn't me. It was the computer, right? Sure. Or it was the two Scots we had to have while we were recording yeah. it because we couldn't figure out how to record it because you kept telling me it was my sound. So after two years and 50 <laughs> plus episodes, we had an interview that did not record properly. And I literally felt sick to my stomach because Carlos is working so hard to open up his restaurant and he's super busy and he made time for us. So I apologize, Carlos. He was so gracious when I told him about my flub and he has agreed to come back and sit with us to do another interview. And I'm excited about that. So this is, could be, we could silver lining this if you want. Because now, sure. now I've been to the taco place. Oh, good. You can talk about your experience. Are you going yes. to skewer them or was it a good experience? There's no skewers. No skewers. Awesome. Have you been to Belothian Chef's Kitchen yet? No, but I want to go. Huge patio, delicious food from a really good chef. I think that it's like all the things I like. <laughs> Let's go there now, Ruby. Oh, we're going to talk to him. Here's David Dunlap from the Lothian's Chef's Kitchen. So you've heard of the little in. There we go. That's the end of the podcast. There's, the, there's the wine <laughs> kicking in. It's a good way to start. Have another there's sip of wine. wine. Yeah, here we go. Dude, I just started. I just got for those home. <laughs> you, for, for those of you who can't see what we're doing right now, David Dunlap, our guest, and I are sitting here professionally waiting for the podcast to start. And 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 Roby is tasting wine from the Governor's Cup. So we're going to take two on that. Roby, why don't you go ahead and, and, and read it. Thanks so much, Scott, guest. for yeah. just throwing me under the bus there. I really appreciate it. I am tasting wine from the Governor's Cup, but it doesn't matter because we are with the Inn at Little Washington. You've heard of it. The Ashby Inn, you've heard of it. California, the state, you've heard of it. Well, I've got David Dunlap with me from now Midlothian's Chef Kitchen in Midlothian. <laughs> How about that? It just opened. Like maybe... Three, two weeks ago? Four? Uh, we just had our month anniversary last weekend. Four weeks. Are you busy? So busy, because I keep hearing you're busy, because people keep yeah. telling me they're eating there. Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, I mean, 50% capacity always, you know, is detrimental uh, to, to any <laughs> restaurant. But um, I'm looking forward to when we can fully have it staffed and have it, uh, you know, seat, seat enough um, people in there but uh yeah people seem to be liking it what's the one line on your on your restaurant like what's the what's the elevator pitch what's what's the situation down there um <laughs> well we're uh you know kind of the farm to table restaurant in a sea of fast food um so you know if you live in midlothian or anywhere in the surrounding area there's just nothing like it um i would say the closest thing is southbound but you know they're kind of pull from a different uh demo or not demographic but uh area than we do so um and that was kind of why we opened up here um not to mention i live right down the street from the restaurant so that <clears throat> that always helps always thought that there's been maybe a gap in local like like local local in that area i think that it's great that you all are down there i feel like i mean what was there like pescados maybe was down there for a little while and that was open and then closed 
And then yeah. there was an Emilio's. I think that those were like the only two local restaurants I can think of, like locally owned, operated right. um, by someone who is in the community and not underneath a franchise. Yeah, I think Shaved Duck maybe the <gasps> the only other one. Macro um, for a while. Yep. Yeah, and th- there's you know there's there's some smaller mom and pop like kind of hole in the wall places too, and you know, but uh, I think high profile there there really isn't um, any other chefs out here that uh and if i can capitalize on on uh you know the midlothian chesterfield population all the better um and yeah we we also get a lot of people from richmond coming down too so um just to check us out and you know uh old clients at maple and pine who would go to maple and pine often and miss kind of that experience so they can still come down and get my food so the opening of this restaurant is almost like a greek tragedy shakespearean like the you know the way the 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 virus came in and people lost their jobs and this kind of rises from the ashes. And so that's a fascinating story that we're definitely going to get to in a moment. But before we get there, Roby mentioned in her uh, intro, I think on the second take of her intro, that- It's uh, like the 15th take. That, that uh, your story starts out West. So tell us about yeah. little little David and, and his journey East. <laughs> and his his start out West and his journey East. Just, uh, so uphill both ways, did you carry potatoes <laughs> in your pockets? I mean, he makes it sound like it was so rough. <laughs> I've always been barefoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never any shoes, right. never. Um, so, you know, I constantly had dirt on my face and, you know, tattered clothes. No, um, so born in Washington state. Um, I moved to Virginia, I think I was six when I moved to Virginia, six or seven. Um, moved to Northern Virginia. My dad worked for the Department of Defense. Um, actually, my first job was in Springfield, Virginia at the Springfield Golf and Country Club. I, I was uh, a busboy uh, there and, and kind of just, I really liked the environment of being in a food and beverage in, you know, uh, establishment. Um, it was fast paced. It was fun. Um, when I was 14, we moved to San Diego. Um, I was a barista and I was a horrible barista. I just couldn't remember the drink. I think I was like, 14, 15. Um, and, you know, I didn't drink coffee at the time. And here I am behind the the espresso machine trying to make these espresso drinks. It just didn't work out very well. Um, I didn't get fired or anything, but I probably should have. Um, so is, it, is, then, is, this, uh, is this the the coffee house scene in San Diego with like the acoustic guitars and the mellow music? <laughs> and the, is, that, is that where you worked? Like, yeah, is that, was that a bunch the of beads and yeah. Uh, Jason Mraz so it was called, there? Yeah, it was called Espresso Net. So it was kind of ahead of its time, right? So free Wi-Fi, like they had computers that you could get on. So it was, it was really, you know, and we're talking 97. There wasn't really much like that. But after that, I went to, uh, I was a busser and a bar back at, at a place called Froggy's, um, which they had two locations. Uh, this one uh, was, was in uh, University City, which is like La Jolla. And then they had one in uh, Pacific Beach, but worked there for a couple of years and then, um, after high school, uh, moved to Colorado, was a snowboard bum, professional partier. That's all I wanted to do. Let's um, talk about that some more. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, this is called Eat It Virginia, but I want to hear about your snowboarding adventures. <laughs> partying or? Along with your partying professional or, partying. Or, yes, everything. In Colorado, yeah. yeah. So uh, all right. All what right. about that experience has played into your menu? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I just season pass when I was 19 <laughs> until I was 21. Uh, you know. Um, Are you good? Like, do, do you feel like you're a good snowboarder slash skier slash season pass holder? Or like, are you I, average now? Now? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been 
two years. But yeah, no, I mean, I wanted to be a professional snowboarder. I was, I was good. I just, you know, not good enough to be a professional. So I just, uh, I realized that after about a season and a half that I wasn't willing to do what these like little 11 year olds are doing, like, you know, two flips and, you know, I I just didn't want to, I had an injury, a shoulder injury happen and a little gun shy after that. So uh, Burton didn't call you. They weren't like, come get my boards. You know, I bought a lot of Burton boards, but no call from Jake. <laughs> He's uh, stingy with the phone call calls. Me. I was a little disappointed. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was before email. I, you know, I reached out to him with a lot of letters. Hey, sponsor me, but yeah, it never happened. Um, so I was working. I started, uh, I moved from the back of the house to, or front of the house to back of the house. Uh, just always, you know, interest me more. And so um worked at a place called the stick oven and my first line cook position I was uh tossing pizzas and you know worked at a in a uh, wood-fired pizza oven which was awesome um and then came in one day and and after a two-week vacation get my paycheck and they were closed that's when uh you know my parents decided that uh decided to talk to me about going to school of some sort I think I was I was like 20 20 21 time and and it was time to 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 end my my partying days i was going to ask you about that because you mentioned your father worked for the department of defense and you know i don't want to generalize people but when you say that like for me it sounds like he's a pretty serious dude Mm -hmm. and so having a son that makes it sound serious department of defense yeah 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 yeah. i I mean he worked for he worked for uh um, Spay War, which is Space and Naval Warfare. It sounds pretty serious, right? But uh, no, he's super cool. He's laid back, you know. Okay, well, um, that's good. So yeah, I we guess were... my, my, my question was, and you sort of answered it before I even got to ask it, is what was what was their feeling around their son being a, a beach bum and then a, a, snow, a snowbird and then, and then working in restaurants? What was their initial feelings like? I, I mean, you know, I think he just wanted me to, he didn't see any direction in my life and he wanted me to, to, to do something and, and not ask him for, for money every other month. And, um, you know, so, um, you know, there was, there was a couple different paths. I could have gone to school or military or, you know, something. So I decided to go to culinary school. One of my best friends enrolled in uh, Le Cordon Bleu in San Francisco. And uh, I was cooking at the time. I, I liked it, um, but really knew nothing about kind of my path at that point. And then uh, somebody handed me a French laundry book and I was like, mind blown, didn't know food could, you know, be that uh, intricate. And, you know, this is back in the day when they would stack, you know, food this high and, um, you know, put multiple plates on top of multiple plates as a present. And, and uh, but still that book kind of was like, okay, I need to go and work for places like this that are doing this type of food. And so after, after school, I went to, uh, moved to Santa Barbara um, where my wife was and um, worked at a five-star, five-diamond property called El Encanto. Learned a lot. Worked for, I think, three different chefs while I was there. And, uh, they were closing down for renovation. And so I um, got a job at the Four Seasons in Santa Barbara. And so they had fine dining res- uh, a fine dining restaurant, a casual dining restaurant. And so it was a lot going on out of one kitchen. Now, I don't know if you've listened to this podcast before, but I always love a good celebrity story. And I'm guessing that at the Four Seasons in Santa Barbara, you probably had a run-in or two with someone we might know, like a, a celebrity. So he loves to do the degrees of Kevin Bacon. I signed a this. non-disclosure agreement. How long uh, ago was that? It's got to run out yeah, by no, now. Um, term, limit terms are gone. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't need a bad story, just an interesting story. Like, yeah, I don't need so, to... uh, 
I was in the back of the house, man. But uh, <laughs> you know, there'll be no snack stories for you, Scott. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nothing too interesting. Um, when, so when I was in Santa Barbara, the chef came in to uh, and said, "I need a volunteer." And um, the sous chef, his name's Joe, uh, was like, "Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. What do you What do you need?" Um, he was he was really eager to do this, and he hands him a plunger, and um, he's like. Paul Walker's room has a clogged toilet. Take off your chef jacket and go take care of that. So All that's, right. you know, well. I, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, but other than that, you know, uh, met, met Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, met Oprah. Um, <laughs> okay, Stefani. Well, those are pretty uh, big stars. All right. Yeah. Everybody, everybody was cool yeah. to you? Oh, super cool, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, I've never had a bad run-in with, with a, a famous person, but I've only been like kind of starstruck maybe once or twice. I met Sean White um, in the back when I worked in uh, in DC at, at the Jefferson Hotel. Met Sean White and he uh, was being chased by the paparazzi. So he like pulled around back and I think he was with his brother or something. And he's like, hey, can we get in? And I'm like, uh, who are you? You know, cause it's downtown DC. You just don't know who's like trying to get in the hotel. Um, and then uh, Sean White comes around the corner, and I was shocked at how little he was. That could have been you, man. That could have been yeah. you. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know. I know. You could have been the flying tomato. <laughs> <laughs> dye, dye my hair red. Now you're just serving tomatoes. All right, so <laughs> moving right along. Yes, thank you, Ruby. I like that. You're <laughs> welcome. I'm over here for you, Scott. Yeah. We're leaving Santa um, Barbara. Yeah, so we had, my wife and I had two kids at the time, and, you know, we were, we wanted to, to, to own a home and that was never going to happen in Santa Barbara and my wife actually found uh, a job posting that was for Elaine Dacos um, in DC um, and so I think she sent in my resume without me even knowing it and uh, I got a call and and uh, from, she was ready to move it sounds like <laughs> she was ready I think I was ready to move more <laughs> she would she would have been happy just staying there the rest of her life I think uh, okay. uh, it's it's hard not to but um, career-wise I, I I needed to make to make a move um, and so ended up getting a job and opened up uh, a door which was in the St. Regis Hotel uh, in Washington DC um, worked there for just over two years um, awesome experience uh, working in a environment like that is very rigid, very French, um, brigade system. Um, but I did well there. Um, uh, but there was no real upward mobility. Uh, sous chefs weren't going anywhere anytime soon. And it was either go to France and, and Monaco to, to work, uh, there for, for about a year, six months at each. Um, and then come back and hopefully be a chef for Landacas or move on. And at this time I had three kids and my wife wasn't really, uh, willing to let me go and, you know, hang out in France and in Monaco for, for a year. Um, and it would have been difficult with three kids to take them. And so, uh, moved to the Jefferson hotel in Washington, DC at Plume. So we were striving for five stars, uh, right when I got there and eventually got that. And then I got a job offer at the Inland Washington, uh, which just that little place. It's just a little place. Not nothing big. Yeah. No, no big deal. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was super nervous when I went there. So I worked there for two years. Um, eventually made my way up to executive sous chef, which uh, executive sous chef at the end is pretty much the chef. I mean, you are in charge of the whole kitchen, 35 cooks, about 10 stewards, um, huge, huge responsibility. Um, it was uh, 
I often describe it as as, as being like a lost boy, <laughs> uh, and Patrick O'Connell's Peter Pan because it's it's not a lot of cooks leave there and are like, wait, what do you what do you mean I can't get five pounds of truffles this week? And you know because it's it's unreal the product that you play around with and the amount of you know product that you get to play around with at those type style restaurants. It's you know, cost is is not an issue, um, and uh, I learned a ton just from working with Patrick and, and using his palate um, to improve my cooking. Uh, he has, he just picks out nuances of flavor and he's, you know, when you present a dish to this is good, but it's not, it's not over the top. You need to add you know, acid or, or a crunch or, you know, whatever, whatever it needs. Um, so if you get it, if you nail a dish on the first try, you're doing, you're doing pretty good. And I think it happened maybe once while I was there and I presented probably hundreds of dishes to him. You said you were you learned the, all these lessons under Patrick, and his his influence was immense upon you. What are some of those lessons that you've learned that you can apply that you've applied to your new restaurant that people oh. in Midlothian can now experience without having uh, uh, nuances of flavor? Um, that that would probably be the biggest you know uh, thing that I took away from there is is layering flavors um, and and don't don't settle for okay. It's got to if it's going to go on your menu, it's got to be. It's got to be on, spot on. Um, you know, it's, it's slightly different because I don't have 35 cooks, you know, each doing one component of a dish. You know, right now it's, uh, I have three cooks and myself spread out over seven days. Uh, we're, we're open five days, but we do prepared meals on, on Monday, Tuesday. So I got to, so we're, we're spread a little thin. Um, but yeah, nuance of flavors uh, just make it interesting. But also, what he does really well, and, and what what I took away is make things that kind of evoke memories of childhood, and and um, so if you can pull those flavors out from you know your dishes and people eat them and they're like, I've never had this before, but I've I have a memory of one of these flavors or multiple of these flavors. I that's really fascinating. I've never really heard it described like that before. What are some of the flavors that searching for? childhood memories yeah i mean so uh, we do a ants on a log dessert do you ever have ants on a log as a kid or yeah I would, I would lick the peanut butter off the celery and throw the celery away <laughs> uh i ate the whole thing um, me too because i yeah. i mean i didn't have a d-o-d-d-a-d but i still <laughs> ate the whole thing because yeah. <laughs> I, I like the crunch i like yeah the crunch uh, um but so we do an ants on a log dessert, uh, and, and that'll be coming up, where it's celery ice cream, um, golden raisin puree, um, and a peanut butter mousse. So when you eat it, it's ants on a log, you know, but just put together in, in kind of a more thoughtful way rather than just, you know, spreading peanut butter on a piece of celery and throwing some raisins on it. But it's got all those elements, but just kind of put together in a different way. All good things. I, I love <laughs> the celery ice cream. I actually think that sounds really, really fantastic. It's been a while since I think people should get more creative with ice cream in Richmond, you know, because it's everybody likes ice cream. Yeah, who doesn't like ice cream? I mean, I, much better than celery, I'll tell you communist. that. Communist. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's what it is. So wait, there was a stop off, though. You came from the Inn at Little Washington. So super, super luxe. 
Um, also, and apparently he's super into education, which I love, I have heard wonderful things about that and then went not far away. Yeah. yeah. I went to the Ashby at the time. Tarver King was the chef there, but he was leaving to go to Padamuk farm. And so it was a chance to step into a restaurant that already had a pretty good reputation and, and, um, you know, it was already known for finer dining and, and, um, but it was also just far enough out of the city to where I didn't have to commute into the city and and could stay in the country. I had a, a garden there. I tried for the first maybe six months to go only Virginia. But what I was finding was is I love the Virginia farms, don't get me wrong, but I can I can go up to Pennsylvania and get and and get really good lamb there and or you know duck. So um, I ventured out a little bit, but tried to stay mostly in Virginia for my product and just met a lot of cool, cool farmers that were doing really good things. It's really interesting. You came from a large area, uh, like large format hotel restaurants, and you kind of started to come down to smaller, more bespoke yeah. formats and then came to us in Richmond, thank goodness, um, for a, like a very, very boutique hotel slash restaurant. Yeah. When, so when I was first offered the job there, I did a tasting and, and kind of went over the concept and did a tasting for, um, for the U-Crops and, and uh, for Destination Hotel. And then I was offered the job. And before I, offered, uh, I accepted, my wife and I went and sat at Comfort. And uh, man, the, the whole neighborhood flourished right when we opened the door, which was really, really cool to see. All the shops that were boarded up started to open up. And really, the neighborhood became alive. Awesome time working in Richmond. Good people. Um, Cooks are, are, are interested, genuinely interested in cooking. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. Plus I, you know, it's in Virginia. I knew a lot of the, the purveyors, farmers, so was able to, to capitalize on that. I don't think we've mentioned it specifically, but we're talking about the Quirk Hotel. Quirk Hotel, Maple, Maple and Pine. Pine Restaurant, right. Yeah. We're dancing around it. Just making, sure, uh, just making sure everybody knows what we're talking about. You know. <laughs> Thanks for straightening that out for us. I try, I, I try. <laughs> How's that wine coming? Same as same glass as it was before. Oh, impressive. It looks very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. So from maple and pine, which I guess a lot with most or lots of people, obviously 2020 was not a wonderful restaurant year. Um, no. uh, starting in March. <laughs> so so the, I'm guessing, and you can tell us in your own words, but that probably had some effect on where you are now and what that looks like going forward for you right um yeah i mean yeah 2020 was rough on on anybody in the restaurant industry unless you were like talking about chick-fil-a or panera bread i'll tear up some chick-fil-a i'm just saying my kids love it <laughs> we, we you, might if you notice i didn't eat. say anything about that <laughs> yeah. we might eat it, but we're not gonna talk about it they don't need yeah, our help. No, no. uh yeah I'm, I'm unpretentious about the things that i eat um so yeah you know i had just opened up my second restaurant hotel in Charlottesville yeah we were open for a total of three days and you know I was able to design this beautiful kitchen and open three days and then we had to shut down 15 days of slow spread turned into you know uh four months and then I got a call uh saying they weren't bringing back my position um and so I had to scramble um and this we're talking about late May um and wasn't sure what I was going to do, honestly. Uh, you know, I was floating around the idea. I didn't know, you know, at that time, our restaurant's going to come back. 
back or, you know, nobody's looking for an executive chef at that time, unless I wanted to move out of state um, and go to Florida or something like that. And I have three kids all in junior high. I didn't want to, we don't want to uproot them. We really like the Richmond area. We like our, you know, we, so I didn't, I didn't want to move. And so, uh, you know, my wife is, is a hustler. She's a, her background is in marketing. And so she made a website and um, started to promote private dinners. And, you know, I reached out to a bunch of wineries and breweries and started wine dinners and beer dinners for, you know, uh, small groups of people. And then um, kept myself really busy throughout the summer. Um, but it was, I needed a commercial kitchen. And um, so my wife, uh, where my daughter goes to uh, her chair, um, that's where Midlothian Chef's Kitchen is now. And my wife kept passing by it. And uh, it used to be Shane's Rib Shack. And they had, I think in June, they, uh, they unfortunately didn't make it. And, uh, but this restaurant was open, has had an awesome patio to it. And um, so in October, you know, we started to look at it, I think in late August and then October, we signed a lease um, and got to work. Um, we built the whole thing out ourselves. Um, you know, we didn't take on any investors, so kind of just poured our life savings into this restaurant. Um, to, what is that feeling like? Like, what is to, that? Uh, what is that feeling like to jump off the cliff? Like, for that? multiple reasons, man. I'll, you know, I'm still falling, so I'll let you. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. It was scary, but you know, my wife, she, she. Uh, she believed in the concept, she, you know, and, and so we sat down, we also, you know, we had the advantage of, of not opening up a year ago. Um, and so we had like nine, 10 months um, to kind of analyze the current environment as far as, you know, what's going on with restaurants, what are people doing that's working? Um, how are people pivoting um, their businesses? And so we kind of incorporated those uh, things that we saw other restaurants being successful at into our um, our plan. First of all, I think your wife needs a shout out. What's her, what's her name? Ah, Brittany Dunlap. Brittany. Yeah, Brittany. she does all need right. a shout out. I was yeah. going to say, you keep on saying my wife, but I think she needs a little, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Brittany. Three absolutely. kids. Queen, Queen Brittany. Yeah, Queen Brittany. Right. Yeah. Four, four kids. I'm, oh, four, there's four? He just had one. Like, including like, myself, you know. Uh, yeah. and then, uh, he can't move. Yeah, he's I know, kid. I know. Um, yeah, no, she raises, she raises us all. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what were some oh, yeah. of the- she, she needs a gift. You need to immediately get her a gift, something big and flashy flowers. Poor thing. I, I know. I know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Can't keep cooking for her. You got to get well, her something nice. Well, no, she's, she, she also, she works a full-time job. Of course. And then also works a, another full-time job at the restaurant. So she's there Friday, Saturday. So if, people are out there and they see a, a pretty girl in a mask, uh, you know, showing you to your table. That's my uh, wife, Brittany. She and must really love you, man. Does, must be yeah. a good feeling. I, yeah, I know. We've, we've known each other since we were 13, actually. Oh, wow. so it's the celery ice cream. Seventh grade? The babe to the yard. Exactly. Yes. I don't have much to offer, but I can. <laughs> so you met, you met at 13. When did you start getting romantically involved? Scott! Well, it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime love story. I love the love story. 13. You know that. 13, whoa, <laughs> things move yeah, fast 13, out man. there in California. Yeah. Oh, we were in Virginia. I was oh. in Virginia. Okay. So I met her in seventh grade. I don't, I think eighth grade, I we kissed. I mean, it wasn't like we were, you know, 
getting freaky. Sure. This is a PG <laughs> podcast. We'll take exactly. This. You know, <laughs> I haven't dropped one F bomb yet. I'm so Proud surprised. I know. I'm surprised I, I haven't dropped an F bomb. <laughs> So we're finish, good. We're good. We got time. Finish that glass of wine. And, oh, I'm gonna start winging them everywhere, left and right. Let them fly. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. When I moved out to San Diego when I was 14, uh, it was just my dad and I. So I'm the youngest of four. So my two brothers, sister, and mom were all on the East Coast. So I was constantly back and forth. Any holiday or, you know, uh, summer or whatever. I I was I was back on the East Coast. So we always kept in contact and. Um, our parents used to, you know, cringe at the long distance bills that we would uh, rack up. You remember those? Uh, and um, yeah, and then we moved to Colorado together and then lived there three years. So I think a week after she turned 18, we were, you know, packed the car and, and drove to Colorado and lived there for three years. And yeah, she's been, uh, you know, setting you straight back. ever since. Yeah trying to I love that I love that she's part of it I think that's really great and I like that you guys have I feel I always like a restaurant where you can see the owners like with their arms around it I grew up in a restaurant my mom and my dad owned it obviously my dad was worked a full-time job and then was there on the weekends so opposite of your family okay yeah and I just you know, when your arms are around something, it's very, very evident, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my kids um, are constantly there. They help us out. Uh, you know, my two sons and, and daughter, they, uh, the, they're back there doing dishes and, yeah, um, you know, help us with the prepared meals, packing stuff. And so, yeah, they're, it, it's definitely a family run business um yeah right now we take we take all the help we can get we, we you know we pay them in xbox cards and, and whatnot but yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah my mom used to say we were too familiar with the restaurant because we'd roll in and make ourselves a sandwich and she'd be like inventory guys and we were right, like right 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 shoving right, right. it in as we were doing something else yeah so yeah bad. yeah i think uh if they didn't come to the restaurant i probably wouldn't see them very much right now so um yeah i'm thankful for it I, I know how that is there was a little table in the back like a two-top in the back of my mom's restaurant like nobody really wanted it because it really just looked at the dishwasher which was me most of the time and so my dad would come and stroll around and do all the stuff in the restaurant and then at like quarter to nine he'd be like i'm gonna eat dinner now and so he could see me while i was washing the dishes he'd sit in that little two-top uh -huh. and man it was it was a good time. I mean, he got a good, good meal out of it, but he's had that, to work for his meal. That, that's right. Yeah. My wife gets the same thing. So yeah, she's like, uh, every night at her close, you know, we'll be closing up the kitchen. She's like, so what am I going to eat? I'm like, what do you want? Tropical smoothie. And I forget like as a, as a, as a chef, I don't, I don't eat. I just don't. I eat one meal a day. And you know, uh, usually when I get home, um, I'll eat standing over the sink and you know, try not to dirty a plate while I'm doing it and you know because I don't want to do another dish and and uh <laughs> one of life's terrible ironies that the chefs don't get to eat yeah I know I but know you still do it aren't you tasting all day though you're tasting right or no yeah of course but I don't actually eat a meal right one spoon in the sink one spoon in a sink that's right that's right yeah so, so, so speaking uh, of one spoon I want to go back to the NL little Washington real fast um hmm? because I have not yet been blessed with that experience. 
I've seen photos of that experience and I've seen photos of the uh, receipt at the end of the night, the bill at the end of the night. So I guess my question, I'm not going to ask you if it's worth it or not, because that's subjective and everybody's got their own opinions on that. But what are you paying for? Like, what exactly <laughs> are you paying? Like, no, I mean, I'm not trying to be like sarcastic. I'm like, oh, this is a serious question. Like, 35 is it, chefs. Is it the ingredients? No, but like, is it the ingredients? Is it the service? Is it's, it the- it's the whole, it's the whole experience. Yeah. Quite honestly, it's the whole experience. So I, I was made to go and eat, uh, not necessarily made to, but uh, I was, it was like one o'clock in the morning. I was talking to Patrick um, about service and food and stuff like that after service and, um, we were talking about the experience that diners have at the end. And, and I was like, well, I've never been here. And this is, I think a year and a half in, uh, to me working there. And um, so he uh, immediately called and made me reservations. And, you know, it was like, you know, you're next Friday, you're coming in. So he made it, he made, it might've been two weeks, but yeah, he made, he made a reservation for me. And and so then I invited uh, my dad and, and stepmom and, and, uh, um, and we all sat down and, I was shocked actually at the experience because after a year and a half of working there and tasting all the food, it's, it's totally different to sit down and have all the visuals and, and, you know, see, see everybody's expression when they're eating, um, being able to taste dishes altogether. Um, it's an amazing experience, but service, you know, I was also the exec sue at the time. Um, and so I think people were hyper vigilant of my table and, you know, but yeah, I mean, if, if you think before you think that you need something, it's there, you know, whether it's, they see your napkin, let's say it, your, your napkin gets a little dirty. If they see it gets dirty, that will be removed in another world. And, and you just, you know, but it's also done silently, non-intrusive and you don't even know they're there. Um, the front of house team there is just, it's, you know, it's half, it's half of, of the experience. Um, for me, it's not something that I would want to do uh, every day uh, or could afford to do uh, every day rather. But um, while you live in Virginia, do yourself a favor, get a, you know, go there and eat. It's, it's worth it. Get, get a credit card out and, you know, pay it off. Or, or have a friend that, you know, used to work there that could maybe, you know, we could all go together as a big group, you know, be fun, right? This is, this is Scott's yeah, way in. Right. And right. I'm just letting you know, but I, here it comes. I see what you, I see what you did there. I see what you, yeah. Let me see what I can do. This whole podcast, two years of interviewing people has led to this moment. <laughs> has led to the moment where he says, <laughs> do you know? I'm diabolical like that. Yes. This, this is what, what you call the long game, the long con. Yeah. This is, it's right, right, really right, right. long, Scott. Yes. So what was your favorite thing you ate at the inn? And then I want to know what we should order at your new restaurant. So that's a two-part question. Okay. So I don't remember the favorite, my, well. It's a memorable experience, the whole thing, <laughs> That's right? I don't know. Uh, the Tennyson is, Tennyson's pretty good. This was what, eight years ago that I ate there? I don't even remember. Um, but uh, at my restaurant, um, go for pork and shrimp dumplings to start or the oxtail egg roll. And then, the entrees are switching up quite a bit, especially now that we're getting into warmer weather. Uh, so by the time this airs, I can't guarantee any of those will be on the menu. But the pastas are always, you know, we, we make all the pastas in-house. Um, and again, since this is going to air in April, I think I'm not going to, can't, I can't say try this dish because I'm going to say that and then people are going to go there and it's not going to be on. So we try to, try to switch it up. Um, 
with the seasons and I'm like itching. I just want, I want peas and fava beans and morels and asparagus. And they're like right around the corner, especially today. It's like almost 80 degrees out. Like, why can't I get them right now? Um, the oxtail egg rolls and the um, pork and shrimp dumplings, they're not going anywhere. I don't, I don't think my wife would let me take either one of them off. So um, yeah, the, definitely get those. Well, I can tell you what will be at the restaurant in April is that wife of yours. So when you Absolutely. do go to the restaurant, don't ask for a chef Dunlap, ask for Brittany. It, You're listening to Eat in Virginia. You, right. She'll, she'll get you exactly what you want because, you know, yeah. That's, that's all you need to hear is she'll get yeah. you exactly what you want. It's Eat in Virginia with Scott Wise, yeah. Roby Martin, yeah. and Chef David Dunlap. Roby, if all goes well, and if you're listening to this podcast right now, all went well, I will have gotten my first vaccine in my arm by the time people are hearing this. Really? Podcasters are part of phase 1B. Who knew? <laughs> They're not, but I'm glad you are, Mr. Media. So that's good, right? It is good. So... I guess hopefully by the end of April or so, I don't know the exact timing of it all, but perhaps you and I can do this in person. We can, we will. And you know what? I'd like you to to read, I got things. You ready oh for me God. to tell you about this? You're not so excited about my vaccine. You haven't, you're like, if you could see Ruby right now, she's like, <laughs> She's like on autopilot. Head, head like I'm talking, I'm yeah. talking about me and my my like my health, and she's just like yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm not like she's. Oh I, my I gosh, you make me sound like such a turd. I could have, I could have said. Totally concerned about your health. I, want you I could have that. said anything. I could have said anything, and she would have been like yes, yes. Okay, my turn to talk. Okay. Tell me, what should I read, Ruby? No, I want to talk about Stephanie Gann some more. Oh. <laughs> I called her the woman. I called her the woman of the freaking year. Like what, yes, what else? Yes, but we I feel like you need to know more about what you can eat during this Passover time. This eight okay. days that you have to yes. snack on these fun things. Yes. Um, I think that you need. She wrote a whole article that woman of the year on all the things that you can get. Such a mensch. She's such a mensch. She's a freaking genius. And I would like you to know that there are, there's like 10 places with delicious things. Well, give me three. Okay. Susie and Esther, which is at the Jasper. And apparently all sorts of delicious, including chopped liver, which has to be one of my favorite things. My grandmother loved chopped liver. You should be familiar with this. Garnish. The catering company. The they're at the um, JCC. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you can get kugels and how do you say this one? T S I M M I S. Simmies. I think you got it. I think you nailed it right there. Uh, it could, you could get a whole kosher kit and caboodle. Garnish is uh, owned by one of my friends, by the way. That's but good. I did, not, I, did, I did not go to high school with him. You did not? Did not. Oh, if people could see me now, I'm looking directly at you with a shocked face. See, I am concerned about that. Pearlies, 
I mean, you knew that one. But also Dinamo, because, you know, they're a Jewish-Italian um, restaurant. So they have all sorts of fun stuff. Chopped liver as well. So I'm just, I feel like I brought some knowledge to your weekend. How do you think my mom would feel if I told her that we were catering out her big Passover meal, family meal? Relaxed. This episode of Eat It Virginia. Eat it, Virginia? <laughs> this episode of Eat It, Virginia? <laughs> no! Oh, God, no.